Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome to the CEO Show. We're here today with Dr. Maria Ansari. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Robert. And it's a pleasure to be with you because, because Maria is from Kaiser Permanente. Now, she has several different roles. Um, one of them specifically is CEO and executive director of the Permanente Medical Group. But talk about your different roles. And I, I know you oversee like 11,000 physicians, 55,000 people, and millions of of um, people through the insurance plans. But talk about what your different roles are. And then after that, we want to go into the big question, which is about Kaiser Permanente. But for now, just talk about your different roles. Sure, absolutely. So I'm currently the CEO of the Permanente Medical Group, which takes care of about half of Northern California's insured population. It's about four and a half million patients. And then I'm also the CEO of our affiliated medical group in the Mid-Atlantic, which is the Mid-Atlantic Permanente Medical Group, which is um, another about 800,000 patients. My third title is co-CEO of the Permanente Federation, which I co-lead with the Southern California Permanente Medical Group Executive. And what we do is we bring together all the Permanente Medical Groups that um, are working with Kaiser Health Plan. And it's, it's a federated group of Permanente Medical Groups that encompasses about 22,000 physicians and 12 million patients across this country. So a, a major question, Maria, is when you have those different hats, how do you manage your leadership responsibilities? My primary focus is really focused on the Mid-Atlantic and the Permanente Medical Group. And then from the broader perspective is just making sure that we are fully aligned because Permanente Medicine is, is very similar no matter where it's practiced. And it's basically a multi-specialty group practice that's physician-owned and physician-led. And I, man I don't know if your question is about managing my time or... Well, well, actually, that that's well, great. But there's two. There's one is strategically how do you how do you decide what your priorities are? How do you determine your personal government governance? But the second is how do you manage time when you've all these different hats and such significant responsibilities? It's a good question. I think my main goal is really making sure uh, that I have the right people and the right roles in terms of building that team so that I have accountabilities in the operational areas that are most important. And so um, my biggest focus, honestly, is around performance in the Permanente Medical Group and the Mid-Atlantic Medical Group. And, and they're fully aligned. And the, the, the core essential pillars for the strategy is the same. So setting forth that strategy and um, executing on it, having the right executive team, and being able to message and communicate on that is is really my my main goal. Um, and with my co-CEO federation role, that's more of an alignment work or a collaborative work to bring the medical groups together, make sure we're speaking with one voice. And, and it's actually not that hard to do because we're so... Uh, 
very similar in our practice styles and and working um, on very similar values. So one final question before we move into Kaiser Permanente. Do you have any leadership principles that you really live by and you say, this is the secret to effective leadership? And the reason I ask this, we have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of CEOs listening in, and they're all interested in leadership, probably for their own company. But if there's any one insight, maybe you learned from your dad or something, or maybe from an early mentor that you say, this is who I am, and this is the most important thing since you've such um, significant leadership responsibilities. If I had to pick one thing, I would say it's about letting go of the your status and really um, playing to win. So sometimes when you are trying really desperately to please the board or hold on to your title, you play to keep things safe. You might not take the risks that you should. You um, you maintain the status quo. Whereas when you release yourself and free yourself from thinking and worrying about holding on to your job and you're there to win and you're there to perform, you're going to bring people along. You're going to take risks. You're going to make those hard decisions. You're not there to please. You're there to drive the organization forward. And people want to come with you. They want to be on a winning team. And I think it's inspiring when you try to maintain the status quo and you have kind of anemic goals, it's it's um, demotivating. And so I think for me, it's really about just releasing yourself from the trappings of the title and really they're coming, uh, playing to win. I want to tell you, that is a beautiful answer. And the way you told it with such authenticity, I can see you as being a great leader. So now... The, all that leadership fits into this model that is different than any other healthcare model in America, which is the Kaiser Permanente model. And CEOs I speak with all the time, what they're telling me is healthcare is one of the major costs of their PL. Number two, most of them are on hospital boards. But Kaiser has also this unique model. Explain what that model is and why it has worked so effectively. I found out recently that value-based care is one of the most searched items in the Google search bar for the healthcare topics. And if you search it, there's over 2 billion responses. Um, But that's what Kaiser Permanente is. It's a value-based model that's been going on for 75 years. And so what it really is, and the way that I look at it, is it's a a model of prepayment. And it's an integrated model, multi-specialty group practice where the incentives are aligned with the best outcome for the patient. So normally in a fee-for-service model, you get paid for delivering care. You get paid for a procedure, you get paid for surgery. You don't actually get paid for the patient doing better. So whether the procedure improves the life of the patient or not, you get paid regardless. And so it's not necessarily it's, it's paying for procedures instead of paying for the outcome. And the way the model works is if you pay, let's say, um, I think of it like a car warranty. And I hate to compare patients to cars, but just listen to me for a second. <laughs> Bear with me and see if this resonates. If you're prepaid for your insurance, um, it's like you have a lifetime warranty on your car. 
you take your car into the shop um, and the warranty is in place, you know that you're going to get everything checked over. If you need a new fan belt or replace the tires, you're kind of like, okay, let's take care of it. You're all in. And the shop, the mechanic shop wants to do all that because you have a lifetime warranty on the car. They're not going to let something break down. They want to make sure that it keeps running smoothly. But let's say your warranty runs out and you go back into that shop and you're going to pay for each transaction. Now you take it in and they say, oh, you need a new carburetor. And you're thinking, do I really need a new carburetor? Or is it just that they want to like make their, they need to, you know, balance their books this month. Um, do I really need my cars, my car tires replaced? So there's this kind of weird sensation of, you know, what do I really need uh, to maintain this car to go and keep me safe? And so I think in, in the insurance uh, business, we're still in a fee-for-service world. It's very siloed, and um, <clears throat> it drives up costs. And it's and it's um, in our system. If a patient, I'm a cardiologist. If my patient never has a heart attack and never has a stroke, that's the most desired outcome for that patient. But in a fee-for-service model, if I'm a cardiologist, I'm not going to make any money if my patient doesn't have a heart attack and doesn't need a cath. So it's just a very different mindset. It's not like I'm not doing procedures. I'm doing a lot. <laughs> and especially when I was practicing more right now, I have a small practice. But when I was you know, 25 years into my as a cardiologist, I, I do a lot of care, deliver a lot of care. Um, but if my patient never has that heart attack, never needs open heart surgery, that's in their best interest. If they need it, we have consolidated programs to do it. So it's it's really a prepaid model with um, the longer the patient does well, is employed, contributing to society and staying healthy, the model wins and uh, the patient does well and I get to practice in a way that makes me feel good about the outcome. And, and there you just heard that is at the core of what America needs when we talk about value-based care. We're about to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to hear from Dr. Ansari about what her vision is for the future of healthcare in the United States. Back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Brees back on the CEO show with Dr. Maria Ansari, where we interview the CEOs who've reinvented the fabric of America. We just heard a great analogy of healthcare and value-based and you're talking about that's where America needs to go. What do you really see as the core of your vision for the future of healthcare in the United States? Well, I think the American healthcare system, it cost trend is just unacceptable. And we're not, and we've seen the data, right? That the health outcomes, morbidity and mortality in the United States for an industrialized country is one of the lowest in the world, right? And so that's despite spending by far the most per capita than any other industrialized country, than any other country. And so what are we getting for a dollar? We're not getting value. And, um, you know, I was just at the JP Morgan conference last month in San Francisco, and there was one of the forums with many CEOs in the audience was about um, what's broken in American healthcare. And the top five things that people cited in that room full of experts was number one, prior authorizations. Number two, lack of a digital health record. 
Three, misaligned incentives. Four, lack of paying for outcomes. And five, not investing in prevention. And I sat in that room and looked around and thought, that's Kaiser Permanente. <laughs> that's absolutely Kaiser Permanente because as physicians, our physicians don't know what a prior authorization is. Their job is to take care of the patient and get the best outcome possible. Making sure that we make, uh, make healthcare affordable, <clears throat> so doing the right thing. We don't do any more or less than what we need to do for that patient, for that individual patient to do well. We're fully integrated. We are in a digital health system. We've actually been in medical informatics for 75 years. So we have data going back on our patients for decades. Um, our incentives are fully aligned. Like I told you, if the patient's doing well and contributing, um, they're gonna continue to be our member and it's it's a win-win situation. Um, and then we, we do focus on prevention so that um, our, if our patient has congestive heart failure, we might take them on a grocery shopping tour on how to buy low salt food. We spend a lot of effort on health education, um, population disease management, and we bring patients in. You go in to see your dermatologist at Kaiser Permanente, and we will remind you that you're due for your mammogram and book it on the spot. That's how the system works. So you're focused in an integrated way to really prevent those health outcomes. And when you do value-based care, you actually have much more focus on preventive uh, screening because if they don't get breast cancer, that saves the entire system money. Oh, and by the way, it's good for the patient too. But it, it, it's really a perfect model in terms of ethical medicine and, and what we need. But I want to ask, where does physician leadership tie into this? Sure. I think that's an essential component. Um, first of all, the physician voice has been lost in healthcare. So a lot of decisions are made by the insurance company. So we are in a partnership, an exclusive, mutually exclusive partnership with a health insurance company, which is Kaiser Health Plan. And what our agreement is, is let the physicians practice medicine. Let the physicians run the care delivery and the insurance company is selling insurance. And let's remember who's doing what, um, because when we allow insurance companies to decide whether a patient should get an MRI or not, that's not always in the best interest of the patient. Um, we have, as physicians who are practicing, we have no incentive one way or the other, except for the best outcome for that patient. And so, and we're mindful too, we try to really be um, be mindful of our resources because we know that healthcare needs to be affordable for equitable access to care. But if if we miss something and that patient has you know a condition that gets worse because we didn't catch it early, that or we didn't do the MRI, that's bad for the patient and bad for the system. And so I think just trusting being physician leadership is that we are going to be advocates for the patient. Um, but we're also smart and use evidence-based tools and clinic, clinician decision support tools in a group practice, working collaboratively to drive the best outcomes for our patients. I, I think the other thing about physician leadership is that when you have physician leadership, you end up creating workflows and pathways that make sense for the physician. 
And right now there's a big problem in American healthcare, which is uh, the great resignation uh, also affected physician, the physician and nurse workforce. And I think having a physician voice in terms of looking at, is this added step going to add value to my practice? Does this make sense? It's that sense of autonomy, of flexibility, of agency that you have in your practice where you're not being told by an administrator how to practice, but you're self-governing. It, it, it's just a less burnout and I think more uh, less moral injury. Mm. And, you know, it's so important what you're talking about, this leadership. And I remember when I was interviewing um, Dr. Jim Madera, CEO of AMA, so they oversee 275,000 physicians. He said the biggest problem, Robert, is is the administrative work. They are tied down to several hours a day, which gives them complete burnout. And and instead of what they want to do is be with the patient. So mm -hmm. you're talking about really the whole future of healthcare and with physicians leading this. So everything is ethical based and it's really on value-based um, healthcare. So, um, so we're preventative and that's really the model of the future, it sounds like to me. I think it's the model of the future and it's the model we've been doing for 75 years. One thing I will just admit is that because of all the regulatory requirements, um, particularly, I think the biggest consumer uh, customer for healthcare now is Medicare or CMS. And there's lots of, you know, we can't escape some of the red tape or regulatory requirements, even in our practice. And we, what we do is try to solve that. We have, we're not perfect, but we really try to automate as much as possible and get physicians back to doctors back to doctoring is how I say it. And we just instituted um, ambient scribe AI technology to help with charting so that our physicians can stop looking at the computer and look at our patients' faces and actually have the ability to truly listen and connect with their patient. And the, so far the reception, we rolled that out to over 10,000 doctors and so far, they, they, the patients love it and the doctors love it because it just allows you to focus on delivering care and not sitting there at the computer trying to capture everything. Yep. Yeah. So we have time for one final question. So I, I, I want to ask you personally about your, your philosophy because you've done great things like you've worked with, with Syrian refugees and you have a quote, which I loved it. It's like prison is built from the invisible bricks uh, of people's opinions. Talk about your whole personal philosophy. Sure. Yeah, I think the quote is something like, when you free yourself from the invisible, when you free yourself from the invisible bricks of other people's opinions. That's it. It's very liberating. Um, what a, I think it's the, qu the quote says something like, um, what an interesting prison we build when we um, allow the opinions of others to guide what we do. And I, I think what I, I think when you're really grounded in what's important and what your mission is and what your values are, and that that's why we went into medicine, right? It's to deliver, um, is to serve. And you think of yourself as a servant leader and you're in service of others, but you're not there to try to please people or I'm very nice. So I don't want you to think that I'm not pleasing people, but my goal is not to please people. My goal is to do the right thing. And I think when you 
go for what the right thing is, people will walk through a brick wall with you uh, to get there because that aspiration to serve, to help, to make things better is lofty and it's hard. But when you do hard work and you really lean into it, it feels better. Um, you know, there's no challenge. There's no great reward from accomplishing a weak challenge. And so um, I, That's I have a great dreamed. statement. There's no yeah. great reward from accepting a weak challenge. Yeah. And I, I, I think, you know, like you, you climb a hill and you pat yourself on the back or you climb Everest. Right. And so I don't know. I'm just it excites me. It motivates me. Uh, and, and in healthcare, there's so much mission and purpose that if you can't find that, you're not looking. And, and we have to do better. And the American healthcare system is broken. And I challenge all of us to really think about why we haven't moved to value based care. Everyone keeps talking about it because we're being the country is actually being forced to really put up a mirror and say, why are we so expensive? And the reason we're so expensive is because we are hooked on the transactional. I did something and cha-ching, I get money for it. And we have to end that. And we have to suspend our disbelief that value-based care somehow is going to shortchange the patient because we have this crazy notion that the more we do, the better off they're going to be. But actually, the data shows just the opposite. Invest in the patient, help them get better, and allow them and and see see the results. And I think that's um, that takes courage and maybe some vulnerability, but it's a lofty goal. And I think we can we need to get there. Well, I have to tell you, not only obviously are you super, super smart, but you have a huge heart and a great vision. And um, what a pleasure it is having you on this show, Maria. Thank you, Robert. It's been super fun and um, I've enjoyed our conversation. And remember this one idea that Maria shared, which is as CEOs, for, forget about your title, forget about all the trappings. Don't try to just stay there and be safe play to win because that's when everyone wins your customers win your stakeholders win your employees win and you win as a person because you feel better every single day see you next week